Hello and welcome to Night In on Negotiation, the podcast. I'm your host, Jeanette Knighton. My philosophy is that you cannot change the other person you negotiate with, but you can change how you negotiate with them to achieve better outcomes for you or your organization. This podcast series includes interviews, lectures, speeches, and webinars, and includes materials from all four of my books. For more information and free resources, please visit www.jnyden.com. Enjoy. Increasing professional judgment in the red line process. Emphasizing, I want contract professionals to own their professional judgment when negotiating objections to standard contract terms. Holy smokes, there must be a million red lines in this contract. Shoot. I confess, I have thought this many times in my career before. Some of you may be thinking that right now while you're watching this video. If you don't have a really good process in place to control the red line process, that back and forth negotiation over contract terms, then this webinar is for you. This lesson's material is included in the playbook, the Contract Professionals Playbook, Connecting Drafting and Negotiating Contracts to Contract Management. If you're interested in a tracking sheet associated with red lines or more information about the process of negotiating red lines, please email me. For those of you who don't know, I am Jeanette Knighton, the author and co-author of three books, including Getting to We, The Vested Outsourcing Manual, and Negotiation Rules. And I work with contract professionals who negotiate, draft, and manage complex contracts. Contract management competencies. The playbook is based on competencies and the two competencies that are addressed by controlling the red line process, increasing your professional judgment in the red line process is your ability to initiate the contract terms and your ability to identify potential risks. Your role. Your role in negotiating objectives has two key aspects. One, advocate for your organization's best interests. And this is true for the buy side and the supply side. Any conflict between your organization's standard contract terms and the other party's um, objection to your standard language does not make the objection or the person making the objection wrong. They are, like you, advocating for their organization. And two, facilitate the decision-making process for stakeholders who need to review and approve changes to standard terms. This is precisely where you can develop and use and leverage your professional judgment as a contract professional. When you're facilitating the decision-making process, you're going to the stakeholder to review and or approve any changes or objections to any standard terms that your organization might have. Because contract terms can impact various parts of each organization, there could be many different stakeholders that are part of this decision-making process to approve or reject the red lines or changes to the contract terms. Therefore, your role is also then to facilitate that internal decision-making process for stakeholders who need to be included in any approval process. This is where the rubber meets the road in that 
If your organization has any expectation that you ought to prepare an argument before going to a stakeholder, especially for a line of business stakeholder as opposed to a legal stakeholder, then this is where you can use the approach outlined in this webinar to develop your professional judgment. Performance-based contracting. So an important part of performance-based contracting is supplier buy-in. Specifically, when buying a particular level of performance or an outcome, the supplier's acceptance and compliance with the contract terms is essential. Therefore, supplier objections to contract terms shed light into their concerns about the work the supplier is about to accept. So any policy about we don't like red lines, we don't negotiate red lines, we take a hard line on red lines, actually opening your organization up for risk. Because this concept about performance-based contracting places responsibility on both parties to fully understand the performance, the terms and conditions of that performance. So be very careful about an anti-red line policy when negotiating performance-based contracts. Conflicting points of view. An objection just simply represents a conflicting point of view. And so when you're an advocate for your organization, your role is to understand the other party's objection. As a facilitator, your role is to help the stakeholder that choose to accept or reject the objection, you then return to your role as an advocate on behalf of your organization. A word of caution. You know, there is an implied expectation, and in some organizations I've worked with, an explicit expectation that the contract professional will use their professional judgment to prepare a suggested resolution to an objection to contract language. Since stakeholders are usually removed from the contracting process, they will require some guidance from the contract professional before deciding. So here's the approach. This is the approach outlined in the playbook. This approach is scalable, meaning that it is appropriate for a few objections as well as complex negotiations that include dozens of objections. One, you understand the other party's concern. You know, I know this sounds obvious, but I cannot tell you how many times I've been called in to mentor someone who cannot adequately explain to me or to the stakeholder or to the legal department what the other party's concern is for the objection. Do not assume that you understand your own company's policy arguments either. Policy arguments, whether they're your organization's arguments or their organization's arguments, were created for a business reason and then documented as a quote-unquote standard term. Often the business reason has something to do with avoiding, reducing, or allocating risk to the other party. It is nearly impossible then to talk about the policy and any objections to that policy without a solid understanding of the business and the risks associated. And this is true for both organizations, whether it's a buying organization or a selling organization. Two, the next step is then to identify who will make the decision. Again, this isn't as obvious 
as I would hope it would be, I've often worked with companies where my colleague and I have taken objections to a particular department or a particular person just to learn that they don't have the decision-making authority. And so that is time consuming. And that's why I advocate in step four, an action tracking sheet so we can keep track of where things are, especially in an age of email and you're waiting for email responses to come back in. Next, you develop your position. This is step number three. This is the heart of the process where you will use your professional judgment to shape your organization's position to the objection. So you can choose one of three courses of actions. You can reject it outright. It's just not right. And you would then suggest that rejection as a course of action to the stakeholder in step five. You could accept the objection all or in part. And again, you would suggest that course of action and it would be supported by reasoning in step five. Or you might have to include the, the stakeholders in the decision-making process, meaning it's outside of your purview or your line of authority. This is especially true for business-related decisions. If you cannot make a decision or a suggestion, then the information that you gathered so far in the process is where you will facilitate the conversations with stakeholders. You will need to include the stakeholders to form a proposal or a position to then go back to the other party as an advocate. And again, my experience tells me time and again, stakeholders, even legal departments, want some sort of a proposal or suggestion or course of action to help them shape their thinking on the issue. And this is where you add tremendous professional value to the contracting process. Four, you develop a tracking sheet. Now, I specifically do this before going to the stakeholders because my client organizations sometimes have had stakeholders move. And as a result, we can lose track of where that objection is in the process. So I actually have a spreadsheet and I personally consider anything over, you know, 20, 30 objections to require a tracking sheet. Where is we are, where are we in the process and where is my stakeholders response? And that tracking sheet helps. If you're interested, please let me know. I have one as part of the manual. Send me an email, I'd be happy to help. And then finally, you now communicate with the stakeholder. And again, this is where you stand up, have your seat at the table and you communicate what the objection is what your organization's underlying position is as you understand it, and then what your suggestion is to the stakeholder. And again, it's a suggestion. So the standard language, the other party's objection, your organization's underlying position, and any suggestion. Now that suggestion not only is where you wield tremendous professional judgment, but it allows stakeholders to feel that they are part of the process without having to jump in and negotiate directly with the other party, which is a very empowering place for a stakeholder to be, and it reduces cycle time. I'd love to work with you. Email me, jn at jnyden.com.